bring the heart. It's time to get loud. Let's go! Because this is Betfred Super League. Bring it on. Welcome along to Eddie and Stevo the podcast, Rugby League's finest, supported as always by our great friends at Betfred. Now then, we've not been with you for a few weeks for various reasons. You may have seen our recent tweets that Stevo wasn't feeling too clever down there in Australia. So we, before we begin, what's going to be a packed 60th, yes, 60th <laughs> edition of our podcast? Let's get a progress report from him now. I trust you're feeling better this week, Stevo. I certainly am, top man. And I must say, it's been a rugged four weeks. <clears throat> I'm still not out of the uh, the woods yet. Still got a croaky voice, but um, the chest infection after three bouts of antibiotics, I think I'm getting better. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. Well, we've got lots to cover in this, as I say, our 60th edition, and we've not chatted since the Challenge Cup final. So let's begin by looking back to that memorable day in May at Tottenham, Wigan beating Huddersfield, but only just Liam Marshall's late try breaking the hearts of the Huddersfield Giants. And, you know, Steve-O, many people have said to me that the best team lost. Well, I uh, I did see the, uh, the full broadcast of that, and uh, it looked as though that Huddersfield was going to hang on but the one thing you've got to give about this Wigan side and uh, you know under the new coach Pete um, is gone for a lot of youth I know they've still got the experienced players but they seem to have found a lot of young players coming through and uh, it, it was I suppose in many ways I'd have to agree that Huddersfield was by far the better side but that's not what it's all about. It's an, if you score the points, you win the trophy. Absolutely you do. Uh, just just the one controversial incident, I suppose. Should Wigan's Morgan Smithies have been carded for at least one of the two high tackles? He's subsequently been banned for four matches. And Ian Watson, the Giants coach, was left furious. And it's every right to feel that way because... <clears throat> There was, remember at the start of the season there was a huge clampdown and you can't just throw it away now over the years people have said to me oh you know don't sin bin because it'll spoil the game etc and so forth look it's all about the referees being fair it's difficult to do but I think you should at least have got one 10 minutes in the sin bin well, I think if, if referee James Child had his time over again, he might, he might have produced the yellow card on the day. But, Steve, well, let's face it. Generally, 
you just don't seem to get sent off in finals, either grand finals or Challenge Cup finals. One or two notable exceptions, of course, but generally nobody gets carded. Yeah, and I think that's wrong. I, I also realised that many, many years ago and for a long, long time that every single final, you've got about 15 minutes before we get a penalty at all. Now, whether the people, the top brass over the years are saying to the officials, look, we want to make this a wonderful occasion, so we don't want to stop start affair in the first 15, 20 minutes. You can't prove that, but it's going to take a lot for people to sway against what I feel is that they allow anything to go in the 15, 20 minutes of a game. Yeah, that's fair comment. That's fair comment. But hey, listen, on the positive side, what a venue. What a venue Tottenham proved to be. Uh, everyone who was there say it was magnificent. And that now begs a question moving forward. Wembley or Tottenham for the final? Uh, some people have actually suggested in these austere times, why not play it in the north of England? I think, I think that would be a mistake, don't you? Oh, huge mistake. Not only the fact that uh, it's a celebration for every supporter to get the opportunity to go down to the capital city, have a good time, have a great weekend. It's not just about the game. It's about creating this atmosphere that we've created at Wembley. Now, the rumours are the reason why they had to go away from Wembley and go to Tottenham was the fact that because they had to cancel the World Cup and Tottenham was one of the venues, that they still had to pay for all the security, etc., etc., in regards to the fact that if you don't if you don't play the game at Tottenham, you still got to have to pay for it. Um, and I reckon that someone at the RFL said, "Well, look, why don't we have the the uh, the, the the normal Wembley Grand Final, Challenge Cup Final? Uh, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But you ask any player." I never played at Wembley. I know you did, but I never I, played at Wembley. And as did. much that you ask <laughs> any any rugby league player in the UK the chance to play at Tottenham or Wembley, 100% will say Wembley. It's magic. The name Wembley is magic. Well, it is. Absolutely, it is. I, I, I think the problem was that it was decided to move the final back to May uh, of course the BBC in their wisdom wanted it moved to the back end of the season a few years ago but they've decided now they want it back in May and they all lauded the fact that it was back in May on the broadcast but the weekend that was chosen was the same weekend as all the uh, football playoff finals down at Wembley so the date quite simply wasn't available I think that's why it's been played at Tottenham but as I say Everybody, Bet, Bet Fred's own Fred Doan said to me, it is the finest stadium I have ever been to. Now that, that is quite an accolade, isn't it? Certainly is, but as I say, it's look, in life there are certain things where you think it's magic. Go to the, you know, the Grand National, uh, uh, go to the Derby, and things like that. Uh, you're not going to change the venue because... It's, it's sort of steeped into your, your history and your blood. And as I say, I'll repeat it. Ask any rugby league player, Tottenham or Wembley, 
Tottenham wouldn't even get a chance. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Wembley, Wembley is steeped in history, and I think it'll it'll be back there next year. Okay, some other Wigan news. Sean O'Loughlin, he is now an OBE, Steve-O. He's picked up the award in the honours list. Richly deserved, an understated guy, underrated, but what a servant to the game, and of course to Wigan itself. Not only that, he's a gentleman. Yeah. A wonderful, wonderful player. Gave 110% every time he laced his boots. Uh, and I'm so pleased that he got the Queen's Award. Uh, fully deserved. And when you look back, you look at people who have been honoured by the Queen in regards to rugby league players. Like, you take Sinfield. Uh, what is done for charity, etc., and so forth. Uh, it's not just given out to because of your, your your plain prowess. It's to what you are as a person. And I'm so pleased for Sean O'Loughlin. Fully deserved. Very much so. And you, of course, speaking from from great experience about this, because I'm talking here to Michael Stevenson, MBE. And you got your award from Her Majesty herself, didn't you? I certainly did. And it's one of the proudest moments of my life. And, and so it sure. should be. Um, and I, I'm just hopeful, Andy, that uh, I've been trying to push the barrow out for you to get a Queen's Award. <laughs> I'll get the Queen's Award for industry, trying to keep this thing going with you every week. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, let's move on. State of Origin, part two in Perth, coming up this Sunday. What a game we had in the first match in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely magnificent. Queensland won it, of course, but that was a bit of a, of a surprise, wasn't it? Well, yes, because New South Wales were playing at home, but I must give a lot of credit to the Queensland coach. Uh, they, they, he sorted things out. He knew that the main players for the Blues were the two halfbacks, and they just crushed them. The outside centres came in on the angle and never allowed the halfbacks to produce the long ball out wide which you've seen at Penrith for the last two seasons. They knew that the key player, they had to just make sure, stop the halfbacks. And they also made it a little bit easy for them because for some unknown reason, uh, New South Wales were not working at the ruck. I think that New South Wales, they've admitted now um, that they were too soft. They went out there to play rugby league keep the ball alive but they were quashed in and they've made it quite clear Fittler has said right we were too soft so that means to me don't miss number two because it could be a bit of firework going on uh, a, lot, a lot of people that keep saying they've done it for years bring back the bash I don't I don't condone to that at all but I do condone to saying that we can be a little bit tougher than what the New South Wales Blues offered against Queensland. I live in New South Wales, so I'm a fan. I, I want the Blues to win. But you've got to give credit to the way that Slater got his team working hard and they came up with a result. They certainly did, and it was a personal triumph for Billy Slater, no doubt about that. They said in commentary, Steve-O, he's never coached at any top level before anywhere 
in the world prior to that game. I mean, blimey. I, I thought, you know, I thought coaches were, were sort of drilled out of the ground for, for, to be successful. This fellow's come from nowhere and he's won this first state of origin match in his first ever coaching role. Yeah, but it, if you also look at the fact that, that uh, Fittler is he's never really coached at, at top level in, in, with club games. Um, Paul Vorton, he was a coach of uh, Queensland for many, many years. Uh, never really had experience at top level as a club coach. But the state of origin has been created amongst the lines of we hate each other. It was like Yorkshire, Lancashire. They hate each other. And when it comes to that game, you lift. I mean, Cherry Evans hasn't been having the greatest time at Manly, but he was one of the key players when he plays for Queensland. It's all a matter of playing with pride and making sure the basics are there. And the basics are very simple. Tackle the opposition out of the game and make sure that your energy levels are more than your opposition. But what makes me wonder, Eddie, Fittler has made seven changes. Now, can you imagine a coach in England trying to say, well, I can change seven top-class international players and bring in another seven international players. I don't think that we could do that in the UK. No, we couldn't. And there's six others yet to play State of Origin in the New South Wales squad. 78% of the teams, they sell, they tell me, that win the first game go on and win the series. Now, seven changes. If a coach in this country made seven changes coming into a second match, you'd say he's in a bit of trouble. Is, is Brad Fittler in a bit of a mess or not? No, not really, uh, because he's got quality players around him. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, are, you know, they're saying, well, so-and-so didn't get a goal, so-and-so didn't get a goal. And you could probably add another seven players on top of the, the new seven players. And, and that gives you some indication of the depth and quality of what they have down under. Very much so. And 80,000 inside the ground in Sydney for the first game. Doubtless another sellout in Perth on Sunday. Listen, here's a question for you. Is State of Origin more important to Australia and Australian fans than the international game? Sadly, yes. And sadly, um, the people in the power down here realise that they can get 80,000 to this state of origin situation. It's not quite clear because we've been in the wilderness, haven't we, international-wise. And I thought that the biggest mistake that was done many years ago was to do away with the Ashes series. Australia versus Great Britain, or England as it is now, was magic. People would fly over to England from Australia and vice versa. It, it's a magic thing to be able to go on the tour. But you look through all the history of it, all the great players, all the great games that have been played. And for me, it was a huge mistake 
that they tried to sort of say, well, it's not as important as state of origin. But to me, that was wrong. A little bit self-centered. Ah, we're not really worried about, uh, you know, the, the, the Australia games and this and other. Um, it's, it's all about, you know, the Aussies, we're too big, we're too strong, etc. and so forth. Uh, and it, it irks me. It really does. Because playing for your country is the highest accolade you can get. It doesn't matter whether you played 100 state of origin games for Queensland or New South Wales. To play for your country, you can't beat that, Eddie. No, I'm sure you can't. And of course, it was international weekend this last weekend up here. England recorded three wins from three matches. The women beat France 36-10. The wheelchair international finished England 62, France 48. The Welsh men's team, by the way, lost 36-10 in Albi to the French, while the Welsh women beat Italy 60 points to nil. Now, Sean Wayne's England beat the international All-Stars 18 points to four in their World Cup warm-up. This is only the third time that Sean Wayne has had charge of his England team. And unlike 20, uh, 12 months ago, they actually got a win. What, 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 did you, what did you make of this with 17 weeks now to go to the start of the World Cup 2022? Well, I, I'm sure that uh, the England coach would want more games, more opportunities. Um, and I suppose when you think about the fact that the, uh, the tense games in the state of origin will give Australia and the Australian players a little bit more influence in regards and confidence to come over for the World Cup. Um, so Sean Wayne has uh, got a difficult job. Uh, the pandemic didn't help. We all know that. But the one good thing about it is that I was really pleased that John Bateman uh, got back to his top form. Since he came back from Australia, I, I haven't really been impressed by the way that he's played. But there was one man I thought that he was outstanding. The only sadness about the game, that Eddie, there was only 9,500 people in the crowd. And, and that disappointed me. Well, allegedly nine and a half thousand. I'm wondering if people bought tickets and didn't go. <laughs> they looked like they didn't look like there was that many there. I must confess. Uh, yeah, there was quite a lot of empty seats. That is for sure. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but this weekend, Eddie, I mean, it's a Pacific Nations weekend. It is. I mean, PNG versus Fiji, New Zealand versus Tonga, Samoa versus Cook Islands. And when you look through the list of all those players, boy, they're not going to be easy to beat. And you know, England, they have to play Samoa in the first game in the World Cup competition. They do. And Samoa, Samoa have got some fantastic players. Well, so we'll, be able to, we'll be able to assess them all on, the, on Sky at 8.40 a.m. Uh, in the morning. Um, you know, you're right. England won't find it easy against the Samoans at Newcastle in October, will they? In October in the World Cup opener. No question. No, you're right. Uh, and the, you look through all the club games down here in Australia and it's awash with Pacific Nation players. They were born here in Australia 
because a lot of these Pacific nations families came over to Australia to find a new life, etc., and so forth. And it's developing. And if you look through the list of all the clubs, there's a sprinkling of Fijians, Papua New Guinean, Tongans, Samoa. I mean, it's just it's just amazing how it's all developed. It's a massive challenge for England coming up in October. There's no doubt about that. But all the hopefuls for England back in the Super League firing line this weekend as the race to Old Trafford resumes. Sean Wayne trusts George Williams right now as his halfback, but his form hasn't been brilliant for Warrington. I think that's the understatement of the year. He's been getting a bit of stick from the fans here, but he needs a good show against Hull live on Sky this Friday for a number of reasons, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does. You've got to you've got to be at your best to be selected. Um, look, it, it, he's a very, very good player. But you've also got to take a look at the fact that perhaps he's not playing well because the club he's playing with, they're not playing well at all. Um, and I, I find it I find it very, very difficult um, in regards to the way that Warrington are not playing. I mean, Daryl Powell, obviously has made a decision, I'm having a clear out. I'm getting rid. Now, I think it's about 12 or 13 players that are off contract at the end of this season. And I think you might be getting rid of, uh, well, at least 10 of them. Now, there's talk about the, the, there's a bit, bit of a bust-up, that some of the players don't get on with Powell, etc. But that always happens if you're not winning. Everybody wants to blame someone else. But it, it appears to me that Daryl Powell has uh, changed his attitude, obviously wants to have a big sort out. Um, I watched the game uh, a couple of weeks ago, Eddie, and Daryl Clark, the hooker, to me, tremendous player. And of course, he came through under the coaching of Daryl Powell. And yet, in the entire game, he ran once from dummy half. It's amazing. Here is a man that made his name so much to be selected at international level, mainly due to the fact that it was it was magnificent of running from the quick from the play the ball area and breaking through, and yet he only ran once. Now that's got to be a problem. Well, it has, and in the in the international last weekend, Daryl was playing for the All Stars. Of course, he couldn't uh, get a place in the the England team and I think the commentators on the day said that England had run about two or three times from dummy half the All-Stars had run about six, seven or eight times from dummy half I wonder if he's playing to instructions at Warrington then well obviously or is he being selected a little bit under the weather is he carrying an injury but if he runs from dummy half for the All-Stars then there has to be a question to say why the man is his ability comes from running from dummy half always has been talented player very very much in the mold of James Roby etc and if you're not playing well as a team then individually as you say it's going to be difficult it is it is you mentioned James Roby there he has come out in the last 24 hours and he has now decided that he has yet to decide whether he's going to retire 
Uh, he's going to make a decision in the next couple of weeks, he said. He got a try in his 455th record Super League appearance last time out. Um, I don't think he's been he's been tapped up yet by Sean Wayne to come back for the World Cup. But Roby, at 30-odd, 35, 36, he's thinking about going round again. Well, all I can think of is that he's a tremendous player. Uh, and I always like to think that legends, and he is a legend, would like to retire at the top. And I think if St. Helens won again and won the uh, won the grand final, what a great way to say, well, that's it. I'm, you know, throwing the boots away. At the other end of the table, we, I mean, we've got Saints four points clear at the top of, uh, of Super League at the moment. At the other end of the table, Toulouse, six points adrift. I mean, they're, they're doomed to relegation after just one year. That's That's really unfair, but that's the way it is. In the championship now, Steve, O'Lee have gone top of the table. They beat Featherston last Monday night following a win against the same opposition in the 1895 Cup final at Tottenham on Challenge Cup final day. Lee, Lee now favourites to bounce straight back up by the looks of things. Well, it's going to be difficult for Lee and Featherston to sort of sort themselves out. But you'll have to look at the programme how it's going to finish at the end of this season. Who plays who over the course of the, the final weeks of the championship? That's where it'll be won or lost. Yeah, Lee have got it all on. There's no question to, to maintain their lead at the, the top of the table. And still talking championship rugby league, John Keir. He's taking control of Widnes Vikings. Well, officially in a week's time anyway, till the end of 2023 at least. Isn't he the ideal man for the job, restoring witness to the status they once had? How many clubs has he restored? Uh, look, he's been a great character, a great coach. There's no two ways about it. He has the ability of lifting certain players who perhaps are not up there with, the, with all the class of many other players, but he just seems to get the best out of the team. And like I said about Roby, you know, maybe John Keir hasn't uh, still finished paying off his mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. He's sixty odd, is John? But uh, what a what a character! What a oh, character yeah. Listen, you you can't you, you can't fault the man. How many times has a, a club gone to him and said, "Look, help us out"? A lot of people forget, you know, that in the early days he went down he went down to Paris Saint Germain. I mean, he was a key figure to go down there to help the French produce a team that would be good enough to be in Super League. He's not just done it at club level. He's done it at international level as well. And in France. He's a magnificent character. Um, he is. I enjoy his company because of one thing. The only thing he talks about is saving money and rugby league <laughs> exactly and he's of course he's the, the Welsh coach for the World Cup coming up at the end of the year <laughs> and I'll tell you well. what Eddie he, he still owes me a few beers uh, uh, well that doesn't surprise me but, uh, that, well actually it does surprise you mean you have bought John Keir a few beers yes, yes. good God good God and I'm I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that I live long enough for him to get round to repaying me. I doubt it. I doubt it somehow. Uh, look, uh, before we go, some really sad news to end on again. 
this week. Your old Penrith teammate, Bill Ashurst, he's passed away at the age of just 73, taken far too young. Yeah, sad news indeed. Uh, probably one of the influential individual rugby league players that I had the pleasure of playing alongside. Individual performances, individual skill, outstanding. Rest in peace, my friend. Indeed so. Can you just give us a, a, a quick story about him before we go? I used to say, how's it going, uh, Bill? Uh, you had a bit of problem with, with my leg. Um, I think I'll make it for Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I miss training. Oh, uh, one, of, one of his closest friends was always a physiotherapist. <laughs> but he always got him back he always got him up oh, it, it, listen he was a character very much a character anything else for us that's caught your eye before we we disappear what's what's going on down there I know Michael Maguire's out of a job Nathan Brown's out of a job Christian Wolf on his way to Australia do you think uh, well that is the big news over here um, but also Mick Potter has turned things around at the Canterbury Bulldogs um, and there's talk about him being given the uh, given the full-time job. Uh, it's uh, and he's doing it a damn fine job. I mean, Canterbury out of nowhere have had two wins on the trot, which I think is the first time they've had uh, consecutive wins for somewhere around about fifty odd games. Wow! Uh, so he's he's getting into it into it as as well. You know, look instead of four weeks. It'll be seven days before we catch up with you again. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. So take care of yourself. Keep taking the tablets and stay well. I hope so, Eddie. Take care, my friend. And get that voice back to 100%. <laughs>